All right, guys, it's another episode of the Not The Top 20 podcast with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick. There's been a lot of talk about Super Leagues in the last few days, and we've got three of them, three <laughs> EFL divisions that we're going to cover this week. It was, well, we don't have to say it every time, but it was another week. It was another interesting weekend, and as ever in all three divisions, there's plenty going on both at the top and the bottom. We're starting the championship where, George, quite a few... Interesting results, big results in the top half of the table, which is where we'll start. And it feels like we say this every week, but we have new leaders, Leeds United. They beat Wigan yesterday. Very impressive result given Wigan's home form. And at this stage of the season, they are leaders. Are they worthy leaders? Or does it make any difference if they are leaders, given how close it all is? I don't think it matters too much at the moment. Um, I think Saturday night's leaders... Um, Norwich City were probably the story of the of the weekend in terms of hitting the top. A, a team who, not so long ago, were looking over their shoulders. Now we're at the summit, even though it was for under twenty four hours. Um, but with Leeds, it was really impressive. Um, you've got to give them massive credit for, especially going a goal down to somewhere like Wigan and uh, kind of keeping their their shape. Um, it was it was a kind of frantic first twenty minutes, and once the game kind of settled down, then Leeds' quality really showed. Um, and you've got to be impressed with what they did. Calvin Phillips, again, getting rave reviews for, from Leeds fans. Um, very, very solid at the back. Uh, Janssen and Cooper, again, proving that uh, as a defensive unit, they're very, very solid indeed. Here you go. They've only conceded four goals from open play this season, Leeds United. That is very impressive. That's fewer goals from open play than Middlesbrough have conceded. Uh, and, it, and it sort of came to pass yesterday. Wigan, despite that early free kick from the impressive Rhys James, they, they couldn't get near... Uh, Leeds' goal near enough to have any sort of dangerous efforts, whereas Leeds, uh, as always comfortable in possession, again, I still would like them to create even more with the ball that they have and with the, um, with the amount of play that they have in the opposition third. But maybe I'm being a bit picky here. Um, it was another good performance. Uh, have you seen the clip of the Leeds players chasing back? I think everyone in the world has seen the clip of the Leeds players do you chasing like, back. Do you like that? Yeah, I do like it. I, I thought Paul <laughs> Riley, who's who's someone who does kind of uh, data the data side of things on Twitter, I liked uh, quote tweeted it saying saying this seems inefficient, which I guess is true. You probably actually don't want eight of your players running in a, in a, a kind of a square like in a diameter of about ten meters. But um, but Give obviously it, rest, it, it, sum, <laughs> it's, it, it sums up exactly what they're all about, and I think that it shows that the players themselves a lot is said about about Bielsa, the manager, and about his the way he likes to play football and what he ingrains in the players. But it takes a lot for the players to buy into it to that level. And I think what you saw yesterday um, and in that clip and in the whole performance itself was that this is a team who are still. Um, in, you know, doing everything that Bielsa wants and picking up results at the same time. Pablo Hernandez, the evergreen Pablo, probably, arguably, getting better in his old age. Uh, by which his I mean, he's only well, he's thirty-three. Um, he just sees passes and executes passes between the lines and into the the feet of his. Uh, striker better than I think anyone else in the league. Uh, it was another fantastic performance from him and much needed because Saiz, who we talk about a lot, uh, who was on the bench for the game yesterday, uh, really does run hot or cold and, and arguably can be just as good as Pablo, but not something that we see enough. So um, another good result for Leeds and they are top of the table. You wanted to talk about Norwich uh, this week, who were top, as you mentioned, just for a short period of time for just under 24 hours. Uh, they went to Sheffield Wednesday and binned them off 4-0. Now Lewis, 
who was at that game, said it, it was hard to judge Norwich as they were essentially gifted four goals and a penalty. The penalty, of course, that they missed. Um, results now catching up to performances for Sheffield Wednesday and a toxic atmosphere at Hillsborough. Pretty much impossible to see Lahukai turning it around now. Who saw this coming? Well, gen- genuinely, I know that you've mentioned plenty of times in the last few weeks that Sheffield Wednesday's form was unsustainable, but to the point where it's impossible to see Lahukai turning it around now, that is still surprising in the space of just a few weeks. And, and speaks to... You know what you were saying about how sometimes good runs can be the worst thing for manager if, yeah. they're, if they're doing so unsustainably. I do wonder if, if if that is the case here. I don't think Lahukai necessarily got immense credit for how well they were doing, and I think that the reasons why Sheffield Wednesday fans may think it's impossible for him to turn around is just the manner of the defeats. Now, I mean those four goals they conceded in the second half on Saturday were all absolutely horrific. The last one was like it was genuinely like your controller stops working on FIFA. They all just stopped playing, um, and Srebeni ran through. So. You said a few weeks ago that you, you went on Sheffield Live and you mentioned the word relegation and no one could believe it and everyone said, we haven't even considered that. Well, they'll be considering it now, won't they? I think they'll be more than considering it. I think the, the aim for the season has to be to, to get away from that zone um, with teams like Harlan Reading picking up three points on, uh, on Saturday in games they definitely weren't expected to do so. It's suddenly becoming a, 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 not just a reality, but it's becoming their season. Mm. Their season is now a case of of avoiding relegation and any Sheffield Wednesday fans listening to this who disagree um, need a wake-up call because all season they've been amongst one of the poorest teams in the league for, in terms of pure numbers. They've lost their, f- their last four games in the league. They've conceded, um, was it six, ten goals in those four games as well, scoring just two. Um, and of those two goals, one of which was was you know the goal we talked about, Reacher's volley against Middlesbrough, which was completely undeserved. So and if you're looking at the relegation odds now, um, I think they were 9-1 to one back then. They were 6-1 to one now. I mean, I think that's an absolutely wonderful bet, 6-1. Mm. to one. I really, really do. If, if, if you think they're only the sixth uh, biggest price, so they're, they're the sixth favourite for the drop. Um, but I think there's enough teams, and we're seeing Rotherham consistently picking up points. As I mentioned, Reading and Hull winning. Um, Bolton are going to continue to be hard to, hard to beat. And, and mm. Ipswich, with the new manager, a much improved performance on Saturday. So... Sheffield Wednesday are dropping like a stone and unless something changes, whether it's the manager, whether it's performance, I'm not sure, but I don't see any reason why they won't be in the drop zone in a couple of months or a couple of weeks, let alone uh, alone at the end of the season. They've now conceded the joint most goals in the league this season and five more goals from open play than the next worst team in Reading. They cannot stop teams from creating chances. Um, Having said all that, Norwich were excellent. Um, Lewis said it was hard to judge them as they were essentially gifted four goals, but... Uh, the manner and, and the interplay uh, is enough to, to very easily be able to judge that this is a, a, a team that is playing very good, fluid football. Uh, that was summed up by the third goal, which was exceptional. Max Ahrens, the 18-year-old uh, right back, very much involved. And look, we've spoken about Ahrens and Jamal Lewis, the other fullback, another youngster. We've spoken about Puki. We've spoken about Leitner and the fact that he's made the most passes in the league. They've got a bit of everything. But I think that the midfield should be talked about as a whole. Um, Vrancic in the sort of number 10, or the most advanced of the three midfielders, started the season injured, but looks like a real player. Uh, he did miss the penalty, and it was a poor penalty, but generally uh, dictated play high up the pitch, letting Leitner do the same from deep. And then you have Tetti, who's a player that we know well um, for his ability to, to stifle teams, to dominate a midfield battle. And I think that um, that 
you know, as I said, with, with this Norwich team, we mentioned different people all the time, but that midfield absolutely dominated the, the, their counterparts of Sheffield Wednesday and Norwich. Uh, just on fantastic form, we had someone tweet us earlier saying, "Can you can you not talk about Norwich because we're we're doing better? You know, we want to be under the radar." And and I always just find that really funny when when fans are like, "No, we're doing our best work under the radar. We don't want people to talk about us." Um, and I'm not sure if that's necessarily true, but they're they're very much on the radar now, aren't they? And and that'll be how it will I, I remain. Think, I think when you hit the top of the table on a Saturday afternoon, I think any chance of being under the radar are, are gone. Quite. Well, they are one of many teams to have now been top of the table in still what is quite an early part of the season. I think we're about a third of the way through. Um, uh, one of the other teams that hasn't yet hit the top but might be a contender to do so is Derby, who ended Birmingham's long unbeaten run on Saturday. They beat them 3-1. That was after a, um, a big game, obviously, in midweek against Chelsea. Tamori and Mount were missing from the game on the weekend, two key loan players for them this season, key performers. And really, despite uh, Djokovic scoring again very early on, they, they blew them away, really. Um, a consistent attacking threat, which is something that, to start the season, there was a threat, but it wasn't consistent. And that's been one of the, the, the big reasons of the, the recent form, I think. The goals that won Derby the game were fairly fortuitous. I think Lee Camp has to have a look at himself for that goal. But in terms of the actual game itself, they're absolutely rampant at the moment. And... You know, it feels like we talk about a different team being the best team in the league every time we speak. But Derby and, and Norwich look to me at the moment to be the two teams who are who are riding that wave to the extent that any team that they come up against, they seem confident in their ability over ninety minutes to not just beat them but wipe the floor with them. Um, and yeah, Frank Lampard's Derby. Uh, train just continues to roll on it's, it's great to see yeah when they have periods in games where they start to dominate and they put together 10 20 minute spells that uh, they really are very very hard to beat and uh, it's been an exceptional few weeks for Derby for sure and uh, Holmes who debutized from Mason Mount had quite an impressive game yeah. and Marriott of course wasn't playing much at the start of the season but it's now coming in and, and doing really really well Mason Bennett contributing as well they're, they're, he's getting a lot out of his squad I, I think that's it and, and also you're looking at the youngster Bogle as well I think you've got to give credit to um, to Frank Lampard and Jody Morris and to how, how they've managed their squads um, if you're looking at maybe some disappointing performances early in the season you forget that there was a big churn of, of players and in players like Holmes and Marriott who've made a step up or in Wilson and and Mount, who've, who've had to come in on loan for the biggest kind of loan spell of their careers. Um, maybe we were a little bit early and, and didn't really notice the good work they were doing and making sure that when they brought the players in, they were ready to make an impact. And they're certainly paying, uh, well, they're certainly getting the fruits of that. Um, let's move into the bottom half where there were some more big results. None more so in my eyes than Hull beating West Brom 1-0. And despite what I said about Hull on the betting show last week, this was... A fully deserved win. They looked very good. West Brom looked very, very bad. Which one of those two teams do you want to discuss uh, at this initial stage? <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, interestingly, I because I was at Scunthorpe on Saturday, I was listening to BBC Radio Humberside after the game. So nice. I, I got to listen to the fan, fan phone-in. Um, so I can give some insight into the psyche of Hull fans, at least, um, where there seemed to be a huge... Not just relief, but there was no doubt about the you know the fans calling in and the guys on the radio to say that this was their best performance of the season by miles, and they definitely felt like they had stopped West Brom. Um, lots of talk about uh, Grisitsky putting in his best performance in a yeah. long time, saying that he finally was putting in the effort um, after wanting away, saying that Irvin was looking very very good indeed as well. Um, 
my own take on it, having watched some of the highlights back um, and without the orange tinted glasses, is that West Brom are in a bit of a rush. Amber, now. I think, mate. Amber, Amber sorry, <laughs> sorry. Amber glasses. Um, is that uh, West Brom are in a bit of a rut. Um, they're really, really struggling now for uh, for form and for points. Um, and I think Hull played against a good team at the best time to play them. Um, and whilst that's going to definitely give Hull huge momentum, uh, your favourite word, going into their, their, their coming fixtures, um, Hull are looking fairly desperate now. And um, I've said it before that... that Hull are looking desperate. Sorry, West Brom are looking desperate now. And I've said it before that Darren Moore's a, a manager who's never been... Um, in these situations before and possibly a reliance on quality players got them through some games in style earlier on in the season. But now where the heads are dropping and the shape isn't necessarily there, um, I think we're maybe seeing a bit of an experience in the dugout leading to an inability to get these players into that cohesive unit again. Um, so with the Leeds game coming up on Saturday, which is massive, um, you've got to be concerned for West Brom that despite talk a couple of weeks ago about breaking records in the championship. Um, I think we're now looking at a team who need to arrest the slide in performances and results in order to keep in touch. But this is the championship where they could probably lose six games in a row and still be coming fourth. So who knows? <laughs> well, that's, that's, yeah, that's quite right. I mean, plenty to unpack there. I think that from what I saw West Brom and you've mentioned midfield issues before, it just seemed like they were, unable to progress the ball at all into any sort of dangerous area despite plenty of possession and that's got to be a worry of course Dwight Gale was missing and he's the type of man that can put away chances better than most at this level and and Jay Rodriguez has dried up a little bit Matt Wilson who covers the club closer than anyone local journalist points out in his column that they've scored only twice in their last four a late consolation against Derby and Craig Dawson's goal which is a header from a corner against Blackburn um, he writes Albion was so incapable of imposing their style on the game they had to match up a team second from bottom with one win in eight uh, he's referencing more switching it up at half time moving away from from the uh, three four one two formation and, and trying to go man for man with Hull and, and ultimately not being able to impact the game at all you're right to point out Grzycki. Um he didn't start a game in the league until the very end of September so a real slow start to the season not helpful for Hull that but uh, as Joe who tweeted us said he does have bags of talent and he was excellent on the weekend end product a little bit lacking um, but he himself also said West Brom very poor Fraser Campbell the standout player and ultimately the match winner and that game against Leeds on weekend for uh, on the weekend for West Brom uh, absolutely huge now in order to stop a bit of a rot Reading beat Bristol City 3-2 Simeon Reading fan not quite the robbery we had against Millwall but we did have to withstand a lot of pressure and rode our luck a little bit. Three very good goals from us, especially Kelly's, but awful defending for there too. Um, and a, a classy debutant, one to keep an eye on, Andy Rinomota uh, in midfield. The worry for Reading, George, is obvious. Uh, injury to Yakumete in, in this game, who's got four and four. A back injury for Bodvarsson, which will keep him out for six games. So where are the goals going to come from? Because, yeah, as, as Simeon has referenced there, uh, Bristol City can probably feel a little bit hard done by here, George. If I was a Reading fan, I'd have such a warped view of how football works. <laughs> I just don't understand. It's happened again, basically. I mean, Simeon says that it, it wasn't a necessarily a lucky, uh, was as fortuitous as the, as the Millwall result. But, but, I mean, the numbers and the eye test uh, say, say something different again. Reading had 
eight shots compared to 20, which is fine. But then you look at where they had the shots from. They had three shots inside the opposition area, one of which was blocked. They had two shots of note in the whole game from decent positions. Kelly obviously scores an absolute worldie. Massive credit for that. But again, Bristol City created chance after chance. Uh, they scored two of them. They won the XG battle 2.1, 0.8. Reading have scored three goals from a mar- you know, pretty minimal um, XG sample. I just... It, Fair, you know, fair play, good on them. It's a huge three points. Uh, I just don't understand how it keeps happening. And uh, yeah, focusing on Bristol City, <laughs> I think they can feel quite hard done by, not just in this game, but in quite a few of their recent games. Um, you mentioned uh, the XG score that Experimental three six one has provided. I've seen a, a separate XG graph which had Bristol City winning the XG count three point four one to zero point five seven, losing. 3-2. Uh, in recent weeks, they've also lost against Sheffield Wednesday, 2-1, in, in a game where they created 3.05 XG uh, against 1.35, and against Stoke, 3.61 against 0.96, in, in which they lost 0-1. So a, a really boring uh, 30 seconds there for those who are not interested in XG, but it does go to show. <laughs> uh, I think you know we always try and, and, and find something interesting to say off the back of it rather than just listing numbers. And I think looking from the Bristol City side of things, um, you have to be quite confident that if they continue to create these chances, then results will turn sooner rather than later. So that's something to look out for over the next few weeks. Rotherham and Swansea was another real smash and grab. I'm going to read uh, a few things out here and then see what you have to say. Paul Warren, quote, I'm not going to tell a lie. I wasn't happy with our performance. I think they gave everything they had. They were significantly better than us virtually in every department for the majority of the game. Joe Newell, the Rotherham midfielder, tweeted, 999, what's your emergency? Hello, I'd like to report a robbery of three gorgeous points at the New York Stadium, please. Ha 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 ha, see ya. <laughs> and, uh, and finally... Our own source, Michael Whitehead, uh, Rotherham fan, smash and grab, Swansea outclassed us for an hour, passing and movement a cut above, but preferred to showboat rather than go for a second. Rotherham dug in, never gave up, Manning key in opening them up, pens aside, and Rodak saves, crucial, but the standout players for him, Daniel James and Bursant Salina, Swansea will not believe that they've lost this one, but Rotherham... I've got now 75% of the points that they got two seasons ago in the Championship, and we're only in November. So, yeah, fighting spirit and all that. Definitely. And I think Rotherham can be can say they've been a bit unlucky in previous games this season recently as well. So, I mean, this was ridiculous. There's no, there's no getting away from it. Um, Rotherham barely registered anything on goal uh, up until the two penalties. I'm still... I mean, the second penalty is a pretty extraordinary yeah. decision. I mean, the, I suppose the fact of the matter is it's a handball, but I mean, the the board is going over the stand. I don't understand. Well, you know that's got nothing to do with it. I know, of course not. I, I, I'm basically, I don't know what Fur's doing. Like, just, you know, just wear it or just don't put your hand in the air. Just don't, whatever you do to a ball, if a board is flying out of play in like the Some people would minute, always say, don't wear Fur, but oh, you've said no. Fur should wear it. That, that's the title, isn't it? Um, but yeah, if a ball's flying out into, into the stand and it's one all and it's the last minute and you're standing in the box, just, just don't. Just don't palm it away. Nut it's it. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you can't really say fair play to Rotherham. I thought Swansea looked really, really good. Um, I thought James looked fantastic down the left. Um, nearly provided McBurney with one just before the goal. Um, Selena obviously putting a, putting a lovely ball through to James for the goal as well. Um, it's, Fur had a fantastic chance as well to put them 2-0 up before his, um, yeah. his, his kind of brain fart. Um, so, yeah, I... It, 
one of those results that if you're a Swansea fan, you've just got to shrug your shoulders and say, okay, well, normally nine times out of ten we win that. And if you're a Rotherham fan, you just thank God for the three points to take you closer to safety. Yeah, you said you can't say fair play to Rotherham, but you can say fair play for their honesty afterwards and also for Joe Newell's excellent Twitter humour. Lastly in the Championship, uh, Paul Lambert's debut at Ipswich ended 1-1 in their home game against Preston North End. Um, it, it didn't end up really being much about Paul Lambert because if uh, Leroy Fair's decision to to put his arms up was boneheaded, then what about um, the the real standout clown from the week, which was my cousin Chris Maxwell uh, in goal for Preston, who not only gave away a penalty um, coming flying out of his goal, but then came flying even further out of his goal to take out Caden Jackson. Uh, and to get himself sent off. Uh, two bookable offences for a goalkeeper. Very rare, that, but um, really, I mean, quite entertaining. Is, is, unless is, is the first one a foul? Uh, think... No, I didn't think so. Yeah, I don't think it is either. But, I mean, it's so hard to it's, tell. It's, it's it? unbelievably clumsy, but yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it is. I think if, 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 one of those, if they're given, we're going to have penalties left, right and centre. Um, yeah, but, but uh, fair play to Mr Gallagher. Paul Gallagher went in goal, uh, made, um, I wouldn't call it a sensational well, save. Well, this is what I was saying. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the talk afterwards, I mean, Paul Lambert has said it's sensational. The commentator said it's sensational. I mean, he's done very well to save it, but Jesus, that's one for the cameras, isn't it? Yeah. I think... I think The ball would have hit his head if he hadn't moved. I think, like, I, would, well, I think you, you catch it, don't you? Yeah. Like, no, if not if you're, if you're if not you're, a goalie. No, if you're a keeper. Yeah. If you're a keeper, you, yeah. you catch it. But, I mean, let's not take away from a guy who's come off the bench, scored a, a great free kick with his first touch, then gone in gold and, and made a, a, an acrobatic save, should we say. Nice. Yeah, love yeah. to see it. Absolutely to, uh, love to see it. Not a huge amount else to touch on in this game. Hannah, who was there, said... Uh, Ipswich started well, had good shape across the pitch, so some positive signs under Paul Lambert. And, um, yeah, good to see Freddie Sears getting a goal, albeit from the penalty spot. Very popular Ipswich player, not always the most prolific goal scorer, uh, that's for sure. In League One, now, I think we've had a few weeks without talking about Oxford. Um, They are still in the relegation zone, I think. And we can't not talk about them this week because... Um, you know, the, the, the criteria should be, would we talk about this game if you weren't an Oxford fan and if you weren't there? Uh, the answer is definitely yes. Um, so for those who haven't seen, let's just talk through it. Uh, so my first question is, 55 minutes gone, you're in the away stand at Glanford Park, um, your golden boys in yellow are 3-0 up, some really nice combination play at that point. You're like, yep, I spoke on EFL Matters about our inability to create chances for our strikers, but we're doing so today. Was everything no? Well, I would still say that it was a much improved performance. Oxford didn't create much at all, really. Um, We created three good openings and scored three goals. Nice goals. Which is maybe really nice. I mean, the the first and second goals were both well-worked and were good opportunities especially Brannigan's goal the second goal was a really nice um, ball down the right really good cut back and a really good finish and that was like a you know a proper normal goal which is something we haven't seen very much from Oxford this season a normal goal well just like you know a, a ball in the box a good chance from six yards and a finish done <laughs> job done lovely um but there wasn't really much again like Gavin White looked really lively um uh Ricky Holmes did some nice uh, bits of skill before being fouled it was just it was a lot, very Oxford you know we, we had a fair bit of the ball we were the better team but didn't create many chances right enough about that yeah what happened after 55 minutes because what I saw was Scunthorpe scoring three goals in the space of 10 minutes and then everything just sort of sort of kind of stopping after that but 
you're three 0 up and you've drawn three three. Yeah. That is that's really poor. I mean, for I think quite a lot of Oxford fans who were, who weren't at the game, um, who I tweeted afterwards, just saying like, you know, it's it, it's easy to panic when you when you sacrifice a three 0 lead to a team who are on a really poor run of form. But actually, I just it was just one of those things. Nine like ninety nine times out of a hundred, Oxford win that game from three 0 Just it wasn't a case. Trying to think of a team this weekend who 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 really sacrificed the lead badly. I mean, Swansea's an example of, of of showing how not to defend the lead, how to really make a mess of it. Basically, it's Tottenham the same. If anyone watched the Premier League as well against Watford, I mean, those were like individual catastrophic errors. Whereas here, even in the two minutes after Oxford scored, Scunthorpe looked completely shot. It looked like they were probably going to have a man sent off sooner rather than later because their players just didn't really want to be there. And then they score a goal from a set piece you can't really account for. I mean, the only thing, you can, you can close down the man, but I don't think that's necessarily game management or whatever. They score, a, a, you know, a pot shot from 25 yards. Fine. Then they get a free kick. From Are the... you calling George Thomas's beautiful free kick? No, no, no. no. Oh, right. And then they get the second, which, okay. is, which is a fantastic free kick from George Thomas. Again, nine times out of ten, that doesn't go in. Mm. So you can't really legislate for it. And then when you're 3-2 down, despite not really much of a performance drop, you can't blame... I don't think you can blame the players. I don't think you can blame the management. It's just a bit of a freak result. These things happen in football. Um, and then I'd also argue that Jamie Hansen pulls off an unbelievably good clearance off the line just before their third goal as well. And then at 3-0 down, I'd almost say you show like mental three all, you mean? Sorry, at- three all. You show you know, mental fortitude not to go down. Yeah, it sort of fizzled after that. To an extent. They had one unbelievable effort from range. Yeah, Lewis Boutroy. Which we were right behind. And if that goes in, then re- it really is just, you know, it's not your day. Yeah. Um, Oxford... Pressed a bit. I mean, Gavin White had one mazy run where he shot from about 25 yards and was blocked, but didn't really create any chances. It, it's just, I'm happy to put that down to, you know, we were the better team. I'm still concerned about the, the chances that we're creating, but at least we did create some. We scored three goals. We did enough to be 3-0 up. And then just six or seven minutes of madness where in football, sometimes you're going to have to deal with a bit of bad luck and that was all it was a remarkably sanguine uh, um, reflection on that game and, and as you've noted there are plenty who have not necessarily reacted like that yeah but what I mean I, even from my point of view just to see you're right that just seeing the vidi printer yeah gives a, um, a very different you know we've all watched so much football we know that when you're 3-0 up and you can see three goals in eight minutes and that's just an absolute disaster yeah so I was very interested to hear that. Yeah, but and someone said they're like, of course our performance dropped. We conceded three goals, and it's like, well, it's not really how it works. You know, we conceded three goals from set pieces. They we didn't do anything necessarily. The only things as Carl Robinson for once in the press got it like really spot on. He was like, we shouldn't have given away the free kick. Yeah, we should have been careful not to give away corners. We shouldn't have given away the set pieces. But they've just they, they they've scored three goals that it's, it's very unlikely that they were going to get them all up. Um, Scunthorpe had lost a lot of goal games in a row at that stage. So a word on them. They've conceded 37 goals in 17 games. That's the most in League One uh, by some distance now. How bad were they in the first 55 minutes? Really poor. Um, the game, in fairness, them didn't really get into any of a, a rhythm. The first half was terrible from both teams. Um, but obviously Oxford were pretty happy for it to be terrible with the 1-0 lead early on. Um, but they didn't register any any danger going forward. Um, I couldn't believe li- listening to the to, again to the uh, radio coverage afterwards. The re- the interview asking McCall if what he needs to do in order to make this a team who can challenge for the playoffs, and there has to be a, an acceptance from Scunthorpe that this isn't the same squad or same team as the last couple of seasons because 
if that's the barometer by which he's going to be judged, then he's fighting a losing battle here. Um, they were they were really really poor, and you know obviously scoring the three goals will give them massive momentum going forward, and you'd hope that that can they can build on that for the rest of their season. But there there has to be an acceptance, surely, from Scunthorpe fans that that you know it's getting to whatever it is 40 45 points this season this isn't going to be another campaign where you're going to be challenging for a spot at Wembley I'm afraid uh, no chance some of that sweet sweet momentum you mentioned there well they're going to have a, a dig at the FA Cup this weekend and then a, another league game in two weeks time so that will really have to carry them a long <laughs> way those goals um, <laughs> but no I was interested to hear you mention Cameron Brannigan um, any people who haven't watched much League One this season um, should take a look at a Twitter account that we follow called EFL Reference um, search for that on Twitter. It's, it's really interesting. They've done some uh, video analysis of Brannigan and why he is um, such an unusual and good player and exciting player at League One level. Um, EFL reference. If you're listening, do more stuff because we really like it. And from the retweets and favourites that you get, uh, other people like it too. So please do more. That's what we're asking you. Um, but definitely go and check out EFL reference. Uh, let's rattle through a few more games in League One. There's a huge game near the bottom between... Wimbledon and Shrewsbury and you know we were told before the game that for the managers who had both received a sort of vote of confidence how big this was in the end it's one of those ones where Shrewsbury have won 2-1 I don't think this game reflected well on on either team Um, incredibly hinging just purely on set pieces basically Um, Wimbledon going ahead uh, Shrewsbury scoring two their captain Luke Waterfall from corners and, um, and an amazing save from Steve Arnold from a Pinnock free kick for Wimbledon. But a pretty desperate game in terms of quality and really worrying. And, it, and I say all of this through gritted teeth for whatever reason. I don't think either of us... Um, well, clearly we don't want to see these, these teams struggling. We don't want to see the, um, the, the sort of difficulty and the, the, the bad words being said about various managers and players. But just on quality alone this game was was pretty desperately poor and given um, some of the other teams in the relegation zone Plymouth putting in a decent performance against Sunderland if not a a good result Uh, and Yellows who we've spoken about Bristol Rovers getting a great away win at Blackpool Um, I just worry for for both of these teams really going forward I must say whether they stick with their managers or not Um, what about Bristol Rovers fantastic away win at Blackpool it was a a pretty even game I think the 3-0 scoreline flattered them um, I, I cut the highlights for this game and it was incredibly tight until Ollie Clark um, it, was a, it was a pretty weak shot really that, that squirmed through the Blackpool goalkeeper's hands um, I saw Blackpool play at the Emirates on Wednesday live and it wasn't surprising to me that they ran out of steam a little bit in that second half because they were fantastic at the Emirates they defended so well uh, and they were quite unfortunate there so uh, a huge win for Bristol Rovers and then a brilliant week for Burton who beat Nottingham Forest in the Carabao Cup to go into the quarter-final, but they didn't have any adverse effects. Went to Walsall, played some fantastic stuff, uh, and won 3-1 away at Walsall. Um, Burton sort of picking up somewhat in the last few weeks. Do you see them as anything more than a, than a mid-table team? I know at the start of the season we debated a lot about them. I wanted to have them quite high in our predictions, sort of playoff area, and you wanted to have them bottom half of the table. Uh, as it is, they're sort of in between that at the moment. Yeah, they're playing really well, um, definitely. We, we spoke about the, the 2-1 defeat at home to Peterborough being quite unfair on them. Um, to go to Walsall and win 3-1 is really impressive, uh, especially going 3-0 clear. And, then, and, a, and a big away point at, at Portsmouth as well. It's fair to say that their form, I think, has, has turned around. I, I 
I think they'd started the season pretty poorly, maybe yeah. acclimatising to being back in this division. Um, they're a team at the moment who, who could go either way, I guess. I, I don't think there's necessarily more quality in that squad than, than some of the teams above them. I think it would be a, a great effort from Nigel Clough and the team to mount a playoff challenge. Similarly, I, I, I wouldn't be massively surprised if at the end of this run that they did regress back into the bottom half of the table. Um, but at the moment, they're, they're playing really, really well and, and they'd have looked at this run of fixtures a couple of weeks ago and, and would have taken far fewer points than they've got. So um, mm. you've got to be impressed. Yeah, some, some, I, I cut the highlights for this game, which is, why, which is why I'm talking a lot about these League One games because I just happen to be um, making the highlights for them. And I was so impressed. It's a real technical midfield with Jamie Allen, Scott Fraser, Stephen Quinn and Jake Hesketh, who's on loan from Southampton. Um, some of the best football I've seen in League One this season. Um, as just a sensational first half. And I know that Walsall fans at the game um, you know, said, well, you know, un- uh, obviously a poor result for Walsall, but some positive signs because they reacted so well in the second half. Um, and basically saying there was nothing they could do in the first half. Just brilliant movement off the ball. Uh, great passing. We know that Devante Cole and Liam Boyce will put chances away if they are created for them. So really positive signs for Walsall. And then just a couple of quick ones. Sunderland, six wins in a row. Aidan McGeady. Am I, am I overdoing it to say that... Like, I don't really know what the public perception of McGeady is, but I think he could be absolutely like, fantastic. I think he could be the best player in the league if he's if he stays fit for the season for Sunderland. Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, I'm not missing, you know, there's nothing I'm well, missing. I think, I, think, I think at 32 years of age, he's probably not, not the, as quick as he once was when he was playing. I'm not sure league. he was ever that quick. Well, I, I don't think, I mean, he showed a nice, um, I mean, his first goal was obviously a lovely bit of skill and he managed to shimmy away from two people and, and stick it in the back of the net from, from distance. Very which quick was, feet. Yeah, which yeah. is a sign of his quality. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't disagree, no. He kind of strikes me as one of those players who, who was just aboard a sinking ship um, at Sunderland, but there's no doubting his quality. So, you know, if he can turn it around, he should be a, a top-draw League One player, no doubt about it. Great metaphor, especially with Jack Ross <laughs> describing his role at Sunderland being like turning around a, an oil tanker um, uh, just a few days ago. So six wins in a row he's, for Sunderland. He's, he's interesting, his, his quotes. He's starting to kind of annoy me. Oh. Well, I just think he's someone who he seems, you know... He's, he's basically said after, on the back of loads of good results and some really good press, that he's he's just kind of maximised the job he's done post results. If that makes sense, you've got to self promote, George. No, no one's going to do but it. But it's for more. You. I just, I, I, and it was also the same. I mentioned it the other day about him talking about how he just looked around his squad and thought how good it was. I, I, yeah, I, I'm a bit. I mean, he's obviously doing an amazing job. There's no doubting that, and Sunderland are doing great. But I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure about him as a. His his stuff in the press. I'm a bit. Uh, what about? Away. Yeah, come on, come on. You sound a bit bitter. I don't know. Why. Uh, no, no. I mean, they've done brilliantly. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not denying that. I just let other people tell you that rather than saying it yourself. Okay. Okay. Well, Tom Eaves could be blowing his own trumpet a lot. He's top scorer in League One now, which uh, seems amazing. Uh, an eye-catching win for Jills against Fleetwood off the back of Eaves again, uh, who we've mentioned a few times. Let's say they've played. Um, what is it, 16, 17 game this season, in 10 of them, he's been massively on it. And when he's on it, he just makes it, he, he just makes that team a very good League One team. And when he's not on it, then they look entirely average. So um, fantastic, a, a great few goals using his height and strength and finishing. Uh, the top goal scorers in the leagues at the moment are Mopai, 
Tom Eaves and James Norwood. And I think that Mopai, about 33 to 1. Eaves was about 25 to 1. And Norwood was around 40 to 1. So um, although we're getting used to this, these guys were not amongst the, uh, the favourites. So a, an interesting thing there. And then Portsmouth, they go three points clear with a, a fairly routine win at Bradford. Uh, they go further clear because Peterborough have dropped off second spot. They lost to Wickham in a performance, uh, a Wickham performance that fan Tom said was possibly our best performance in years. Um, and Adam Elabd with a commanding no-nonsense captain's performance. Of course, Peterborough had won seven out of eight away before that. So don't take anything away from that win uh, from Wickham, who are up to 15th and moving away from the relegation zone. Really impressive stuff. In League Two, there were quite a few big fixtures this weekend. One of them was Lincoln Forest Green, which Lincoln won 2-1. Ben, a Lincoln fan, said, through gritted teeth, Forest Green were a brilliant footballing side, just lacking a quality striker. Difficult to pin down one player, but they were good across the park. Um, it, it feels like this was actually quite an important win for Lincoln um, and that their crown had been slipping somewhat in the last few weeks. Um, you know, do we need to be giving them a bit more respect for this win or did they get a bit lucky? I don't know if they got lucky because they're a quality team and, and if, you know, they're, they're going to put teams to the sword. I think Forest Green were arguably unlucky not to win it. Um, Reese Brown had another, he scored the first goal then had an incredible effort cannon back off the, off the woodwork and if that goes in suddenly Lincoln are on 33 points and Forest Green are on 30 oh. but um, you know it didn't happen so it's all ifs and buts uh, Forest Green yet again I think as I, I mean I mentioned it on EFL Matters last week I think if Christian Deutsch plays that game of football for Forest Green I think Forest Green win the game they, they just do not have a predatory striker and they're creating chances and they have no one up top I mean Ruben Reed should be that player Mm. Um, but he hasn't been prolific for for, for a while now, and, and you you think they need that fox in the box who can put away the chances they create? Because you know, as you said, they're a fantastic footballing side, and they've come up against one of the best teams in the league away from home, gone one 0 down, and put in a, a, a massive performance and come away with nothing. Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a feature just before the January transfer window where we try and predict who Forest Green are going to sign because if they're in a position where. You know, they're a striker away from automatic promotion with the Deutsch money, of course. Um, you know, there'll certainly be funds to spend and it, it could be quite fun to try and predict who that is. My early shout, Moisa on loan. Oh, mm. wow. How is he not playing at all? I bat some top goals for <laughs> Injuries, I think. Injuries. Um, so, yeah, a very good win for Lincoln and a quality uh, winning goal as well. Uh, really good play from the winger to set up Kellen Gordon. And I do think that was an important win for Lincoln, not only because those two teams have a, an excellent recent history of, sort of beef, uh, but also just to, to, to flex their muscles a little bit. Another team who had been flexing their muscles and did so in a, a top-of-the-table meeting was Tranmere against Exeter. We spoke about this one on the betting show. We both thought that Exeter were on a bit of a slide and that Tranmere, if anything, uh, going in the opposite direction. And it was a, a comfortable 2-0 win. Tranmere have only conceded three goals at home in nine this season. Uh, they've beaten Lincoln. They've drawn with MK Dons and Colchester. And they've beaten Exeter as well. So in terms of the teams around them, they are projecting pretty well. And that third promotion automatic spot, are they the favourites for that now, do you think? It, it's, you know, you've got them, you've got Colchester who currently occupy that. Another 1-0 home win for them. And Forest Green would be the third, mm. in, in my opinion, at the moment. Um, 
I think that maybe you're looking at those five being with Berry and Mansfield kind of the two underneath. Um, I think those are the five that I would say are the, are the five class teams in the league. Um, Berry obviously really improving week by week, and it would be no surprise to see them force their way into the reckoning at all. But Tramir are, are really impressive. You've got to be concerned about Exeter. Um, but they came up against a quality team away from home who, who are very, very good at home. We mentioned um, how important Paul Mullen had become on the right-hand side um, for Tranmere, um, once described to us as the League 2 Shinji Okazaki. Um, he put in a cross for Norwood's first Okazaki would have been very proud of. Um, I don't think Shinji's ever tried one of those. So, uh, so um, yeah, as you say, it's just it's a Tranmere are a class team and they're playing very well and not many teams are going to go to Tranmere and, and take any points next to when we're unable to do that. Yeah, we saw Berry, who you mentioned there, dominating Macclesfield, 4-1 winners. Uh, of course, Macclesfield are so bad that it's it's quite painful. Um, and I mean that in the most respectful way because, as we've discussed many times, they had um, a very inopportune summer uh, uh, and yeah. uh, not the best preparation for a season at League I Two level. If you're a Macclesfield fan, I think you should, you should worry more about Shrewsbury's results at the moment than Macclesfield's. Yeah, well, <laughs> they haven't appointed a new manager yet. And well, it's they, a said, bit they like, said they're going to keep him until January. Yeah, so. they'll keep him until Mr. Askey is available. Um, but we saw Berry, who, who can and will dominate bad teams, and they did that. Um, their record against good teams, though, Berry, holding them back hugely. Uh, they've played nine games against the top 13 clubs. Uh, they've only won one out of nine, drawn three and lost five. So that's a, a clear... Um, point of improvement needed for Berry and for Ryan Lowe. Northampton roll on under Keith Curl, uh, 2-0, solid home win against Crew. gave away very little in terms of chances, created their own, took their chances. Um, the new manager bounce might be something a little bit more than that, um, which, is, which is very interesting. Uh, but the team of the week for us, George, team of the week for Entity 20 pod, and it's surprising in a way, given how good they've been this season, that it's taken till November. Um, but it's MK Dons. You quite like Crawley, and their home record was very good. MK Dons went there and beat them 4-0 this weekend. Absolutely battered them, and horrific defending from Crawley. Um, I thought maybe the early good performances from Crawley were, were a sign that Trophy may, may know what he's doing. But um, after what I saw on Saturday... I am slightly concerned that maybe it was just a continuation of, of you know, of muscle memory or whatever um, <laughs> from them knowing what they were doing because that was an absolute shambles. But, you know, MK Dons are a class team and, and they'll do that to a few this season. So it was fantastic for us, given MK Dons are our team of the week, to be able to talk to MK Dons striker Kieran Agard uh, earlier about not only the win against Mr Choffey's Crawley Town on the weekend but how he's finding playing in that front three with an EK and Healy and the impact of Paul Tisdale on this MK Dons team. We're really thrilled to talk to Kieran earlier. Here's what he had to say. Kieran, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for representing MK Dons, who are our team of the week this week. Uh, Before we get into uh, the the team's good form in general in recent weeks, uh, let's just touch on that game on the weekend, a 4-0 win at Crawley who up until that point had a, a, a very good home record. So uh, you've obviously had some good results throughout the season, but that's the biggest win of the season so far. Was it the best performance yet, do you think? Um, yeah, I, I thought we've, had, we've, we've, played, um, we've played well in a lot of games, but um, I just felt that um, in that game in particular, everything came together, you know, everything that we've been working on, it kind of um, it kind of came together at, um, 
on Saturday. So yeah, I was delighted with, 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 the, with the result and the performance. Yeah, certainly in that first half, it looked like you guys could just create a chance at will. Uh, 3-0 up at half-time and, uh, and the game was effectively over at that point. Um, you yourself got a goal in that game. All three of the, 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 well, what I would consider to be the front three scoring yourself and Reese Healy, Chuck Sanike as well. Um, you're thriving in this front three and it's, it's a, a bit different than usual because you're all relatively central, it, it seems to me. Um, what's your role in that, in that trio, in that now deadly trio, and how long did it get used to for you guys? Uh, how long did it take to get used to playing in that three? Um, I think it's just 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 working on it really in, in training and um, and obviously um, Tiz um, showing us how, how he wants us to play and and obviously it's showing now on the pitch how um, how it's working. But, um, yeah, I think on the training on the training pitch um, we've been working at it for a while and and it's, yeah, it's good and like that everyone's everyone's um, everyone's on form and scoring. You know, um, we've got we've got so much. Of, Attacking power in the team, you know, not just who's starting, but um, who's coming into the team. Is the competition is 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 good, you know, and it's, it's only healthy for us. So it keeps us on our toes, and and we want to go out there and score goals. And, and I think that's the case with all the attacking players. And and we're always confident that we are going to get chances, and we're going the team's going to create chances. And it's just for us to to, to finish them off. Is that the big difference between, let's say, the last eight or nine games and the and the first six or seven games? Is it just taking your chances? It seemed like you, you as you say, you've been creating chances all season, and maybe it was just um, a bit of bad luck to start the season almost. Or and and is it down to that time spent on the training ground as well? Yeah, of course, it's it's, it's work putting on a training pitch, and and, and it's, I think it's, it's just a case of um, keep doing what you're doing when it wasn't perhaps coming off for us. Um, you just got to keep doing what you're doing and believe that it's going to turn and. And thankfully, it's, 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 it seems like it's, it's turned. But obviously, there's still a lot more to do. There's still loads of room for improvement, you know, um, throughout the team. And um, we'll just keep working hard on the training pitch and take each game as it comes. What's been different? Uh, you know, you've experienced a fair few managers and you're, you're very experienced as a player in the EFL. Um, what about Paul Tisdale, who joined in the summer and has overseen such an impressive start to the season? What's, what stands out about him as a manager and the impact that he's had? I think um, the the hard work on the training field, you know, um, you know, it's it's, it's just a, um, it's just like it's a it's a you just want to get better all the time, you know, and not resting resting on any any levels. If we've got a, if we've had a good game or a good result, it's 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 just aiming for better all the time, you know. And there's always room for improvement. To work on the things that we didn't do so well, and then to yeah, to work on the weaknesses and the strengths, you know, and and, and keep moving forward really. And you're playing, as I mentioned earlier, in this sort of three-four-three system, which strikes me to be fairly unusual uh, at League Two level. Although more teams look like they're they're trying it out. Um, do you feel like that system and and the work that you've done to get uh, used to it as a team? Do you feel like it gives you an advantage, uh, more more presence in the centre of the pitch, both at the back and up front? Obviously, there's three of you up top and uh, and three at the back as well who who have performed admirably all season. Yeah, I think it's a case of of everyone um, doing their bit in the team defensively and attackingly, and everyone everyone doing their everyone doing their bit, and that obviously stems again from the training pitch, working together and um, help wanting to help your mate out. And um, yes, it's evident now we 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 defend as one and we attack as one, and um, I think that's yeah that's playing a big part in 
and um, how we're going about things. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the, the general feeling around the club is fantastic and you can see why such good results, um, certainly in the last few weeks, but all season, just that one defeat, late winner um, conceded against Lincoln, which I'm sure still smarts. I bet you're looking forward to, to, the, uh, to the reverse fixture. But just, um, you know, you're on such good form in the league. Uh, the FA Cup comes around this weekend, the FA Cup first round, you're away at Grimsby. Um, is, th- is there a part of you in the squad that would have rather just keep cracking on in the league where things are going so well or are you are you alright with having a bit of time off from League 2? Um, you, know, we'll see. you always want to play to play games you know um, and obviously um, it's the FA Cup this weekend so as I said we, we take each game as it comes and then it's, it's a way to Grimsby which is another tough game so we're, we're out on the training pitch as we was today so this week preparing for that for that game and um yeah, just going there with the, with the belief and the confidence that we've that we've shown in the last last few games and um, and getting a result that we want. Kieran, you scored last question. You scored twenty one goals uh, in League One for Rotherham uh, just about five years ago now. Um, you're on six already this season, and uh, and it looks like you're getting uh, more and more chances and putting them away more regularly in in the last month or so. Is there any chance of you reaching that precious twenty goal tally, or are Chucks and Reese going to be getting in your way? No, as you know, as um, I'm, I'm more than happy for the goals to be shared around, you know, and and the mo- most important thing is that we, we win the games, you know, and um, it don't really matter who scores, but um, it's, it's nice to keep scoring, and obviously, I, 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 first and foremost, I've got to keep playing, and and um, yeah, ch- chipping in with the goals is is always nice, you know, and it's always what I've always wanted to do, and and I'm I'm thankful, you know, I'm playing in a team that creates a lot of chances and. It's just up to me to put it away. But as I said, there's still a lot of room for improvement um, individually and as a team and um, continue to work hard on the training pitch and, yeah, take take each game as it comes. Well, it's going very well at the moment, Kieran. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope to talk to you again in in, uh, in the future uh, with another Team of the Week win for MK Dons. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Yeah, cheers. So thanks very much to Kieran Agard there from MK Dons, who were our Team of the Week That's about it for this week. We are very, very sorry if you've got to the end of the podcast and you've had a bit of crackling on the audio. Um, That was our fault and it will not happen again. So please, if it annoyed you that much, don't unsubscribe. Um, It will be fine on Thursday for the betting show. So please tune in for that. We'll be back to run you through all the tips from this weekend's football. We hope you enjoy the podcast and we'll speak to you then.